0: moments that matter moments that matter moments
1: that matter welcome to this latest edition of the moments that matter podcast series i'm your host darren clear and today we have a fascinating and very topical conversation with cinnamon morrissey who is the founder and owner of every organics and every mite and baby mite which is an allergy friendly super spread that cinnamon has developed and taken to market And I say it's a very topical conversation because here at Balance to Life, we've been doing a lot of work recently and there's a lot of information on our platform around the importance of resiliency and what does it take to be a resilient person in today's contemporary workplace. And following Cinnamon's story, Both on a personal level and some of the personal challenges that she's gone through, and from a professional point of view in getting every mic to market, we see the resilience that she's displayed along every step of the way and very much track some of the skills that she's shown across her journey to maintain her positivity and enjoy the success that she has. And to that end, we touch on a number of those skills throughout our conversation things like the ability to share stories about yourself and show some vulnerability to be able to build networks with people, to be able to display self-awareness, particularly when it comes to your mental health and where maybe you need some support from time to time. And also understanding what you can control and what you can't control, both in a personal and professional sense, and being able to recognize when you're doing something that helps and when you're doing something that hurts a certain situation, which Cinnamon has done again both personally and professionally from looking at it from the food point of view but also some of the things that she's done in setting up the business. So as usual it's a very wide ranging conversation. We also touch on some issues that are relevant to Are okay Day which will on the 9th of September which should be around the time that you're listening to this podcast hopefully. So we certainly get through a lot in the next hour but I really do hope you enjoy our conversation today with Cinnamon Morrissey. Okay, Cinnamon. Well, thanks for joining us today. Normally, I ask people to sort of take me through their career to date, but with you, I'm going to do it a little bit differently. I want you to talk me through uh, your journey to date, uh, in, in essence, from being a social worker and mum to developing and bringing to market the every Everymite and baby Babymite uh, products.
0: Oh, thank you. Thanks so much, Darren. So, yes, you're right. I have had a bit of a different journey to most uh, people. I I still am a social worker. So I've been a social worker my whole life. I've specialized in child protection and um, I used to work full time before I had our third son. So our third son is William and he has Down syndrome. So William's only eight at the moment, but spent most of my life or all my life working as a social worker, not thinking that anything was going to change. Uh, raised two older boys um, and then had a little surprise. So when we had our, our little surprise, I couldn't actually uh, work. So he was very ill for the first few years. We were also doing a lot of research in regards to what he needed to, to be okay. So through that, uh, I stopped working in my social work area and I was focusing on William. So with focusing on William, I've always had a focus where I look at the child's individual situation. So same as what I did in social, social work, I took the same uh, philosophy and process with our son and then with the business. So you know, what's the child's individual situation? What does the child need in regards to improve the situation, and how are we going to meet those needs? So what's the problem uh, solution around that? So for with with William. He had lots of different food intolerances, lots of different issues that were impacting on his health. We realized through seeing lots of specialists that his his needs were not to eat certain foods. So he couldn't eat things like yeast. He couldn't eat nuts. He couldn't eat soy. He couldn't have any additives he couldn't have dairy um, gluten so there was a a significant list of foods that he couldn't eat Vegemite was on that list because of the ingredients and we were eating Vegemite so I was raised on Vegemite like everybody else uh, in Australia and when we realized he couldn't eat that I then had to work out from a child perspective how am I going to meet his needs in a way that's that's going to be safe for him and okay for him so long story short i guess i I went through the shelves tried to find something that would suit him uh couldn't find anything at all Uh, then did a few years worth of experimenting with food i'd go back and forth to the um my local health food store get ingredients mix them around together trial them with everybody see what people thought and then go from there so and I, i when i took it out to the community so I knew we needed it. I knew that uh, I discovered that there'd be other people that needed it too. Before we had William, I had absolutely no idea uh, that there was a whole real realm of, of people that couldn't eat certain things. Uh, didn't didn't even occur to me. I just thought people was allergic to nuts so didn't eat nuts. But um, learning all this, I discovered there were so many people out there that could do could benefit from every mite and baby mite. And when I took it to the lo- local community, I had some really, really, really positive responses. So I then just thought, yep, okay, I've got to do this. If this makes a difference for my child. My child needs this. There are others out there. So with that same focus, I then worked out on my own with, with a little bit of advice, how to take it to market so I could share it with the world.
1: Well, when you talk about food allergies, what are you talking about? Because obviously it's not as, as severe as an anaphylactic reaction to some of these foods, but what sort of reactions are we talking about for William when he ate the wrong foods?
0: So for any child uh, who's eating foods that the body can't process you're going to get inflammation so you know your body becomes inflamed it then starts to cause issues with illness you know it can cause immune responses with colds it can cause digestion constipation it can cause rashes Uh, for William we found that so from day one William's system didn't work we didn't realize but William actually has Hirschsprung's. So Hirschsprung's disease, he was born with, and it means that part of his bowel just doesn't even work quite simply. And that the surgery associated with that is t- taking part of the bowel out and reattaching it. Huge, huge complex procedure, huge issue. And we actually didn't realise he had that underlying issue. But what we found with him was if he ate uh, gluten, he, he would get quite significantly constipated. If he ha- if he ate dairy so these are the two basic ones for him he'd get um, diarrhea so he went through times where he had severe bloating he had weeks weeks and weeks where he couldn't um, physically go the toilet because uh, his system just shut down he got significant rashes all over his body he'd get colds so it was it was accumulation of things so there was a mm. the basic stuff around, his system, like with, with you know diarrhea or constipation, which people sort of find with IBS issues, but it was part of a whole bigger thing, and and it's all around for you know when you when you really look into it and really understand it all, it's it's really associated with that inflammation and trying to have the child child's body and brain working as as best as possible.
1: And it sounds like then, so you've started to sort of try and create a product specifically for William so he can have a substitute for for Vegemite but and yeah. you said along the way you found there wasn't the out there in the community. How did that come about? I mean, was that organic that that people sort of, as you started telling your story, you found more and more yeah. people uh, were in a similar situation. And then you realized when, when, the, I guess was a light bulb moment, you thought, hang on, there actually could be a business opportunity here to, to mm. sort of broaden this out and then help a lot of other people.
0: Totally. Totally. It, it, and it was literally around me. Doing my research with speaking to people and asking them through social media, in the community, through friends of friends, through family members, through um, I was in an organic co-op. So asking the people in the organic co-op and asking them then to try it. Um, yeah, it was literally through like word of mouth and, and through the research I was doing to see if it was a viable product or not for the market that people that were coming back to me saying, oh, my God, I need that. Oh, my God. Yes, please. We can't eat Vegemite. Um, because because of A, B, and C, um, yeah.
1: And how difficult have you found it to to share your story and sort of show the vulnerability to talk about, uh, you know, issues that William's been going through and and, and issues that you might have been going through as a family? And how much, I guess, has that helped you to, to uh, relate to people and really connect to people on the importance of this product?
0: Well, to be perfectly honest with you, at first I was really scared. So I had a lot of hesitations around personalising it uh, about us. I actually just wanted it to be just a product out there um, because I was really worried about any lashback around the fact that I have a child with a disability, you know, if there was any implications for him later on down the track around um, bullying, around targeting, around, um, you know, different things like that. So initially at first I was really worried, but... When I started the business, um, and it's still just me, like I was knocking on doors, uh, I was going to retailers, I was doing tastings, it was it was all just me. And so I actually discovered that when I was in stores uh, talk, talking to customers, when I was knocking on retailers' doors, when I was trying to get the product out there on social media, it was actually the story and it was actually the fact that people connected with, that they had a similar experience to me and a similar issue and needed a similar product to solve their problem. So the story actually became telling our story actually became really important. I've had times where throughout the story, you know, like um, where we've had lots of issues that have happened personally and professionally, you know, I've chosen to talk about some of them. I've chosen, I've chosen not to talk about others. Um, And we've had lots of things that have happened positively, you know, on both realms as well. So it's definitely I'm very mindful in reference to the fact that I'm telling my son's story, but um, it's also my story, and my story as a mum and all the challenges that I face, and and all the feelings around when you when you have a child with a disability, or when you have a child with uh, you know even food intolerances, just trying to get things right, and how isolating it is for parents. So it is significantly isolating. Because you, you can't go out and, and eat like normal people. You can't go out and eat normal food. Uh, you have to plan everything. Uh, you're const- you, you, your child's constantly sick and you can't work out what you're doing wrong. So it's depressing. And so being able to relate to others and actually say, this is what I find. And this is how hard it's been for me. And this is one of the things in our life that's helped us. Has made a big difference in, um, in people connecting with the story and trying the product and realising that they like it and that it's going to make a difference in their life too.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a value just in sharing the story, isn't there? Because people are sort of saying, well, I'm not alone. And they sort of feel that I've been seen myself. And now I you know, someone else has got the same issues and, and this is what Cinnamon does. And yes, it, yeah. so it's it's bigger than the product, isn't it? I mean, it, it really is. It's almost totally. a sort of movement. Uh, in itself. But mm. let, let's go, I, I will take you back to the story though, Cinnamon, in terms of, yeah. so we, we've got through, so you've identified that there's maybe a need uh, for this product to go into the marketplace. So what what were the, some major challenges that you found in developing the product and getting it from that idea and that potential to actually getting into the marketplace?
0: So I guess some of the challenges were, were about getting it right. So packaging, basic things like making sure that I had jars that I could continue to get. So I, you know, picked a jar that I liked, uh, just, um, you know, took that one to market with a label that I made, discovered that I couldn't then get that, that jar in the country anymore. And so then had to change the jar over, had to change the packaging over, uh, change the label over. So some of the challenges for me were around those, those finer details with planning and understanding what I was going to need and, and if I couldn't get things in and how that worked. And, and um, so that's been a, an interesting journey. And, and I've shared that with people as well. So I've shared with people that I did do my own label to start with. It then changed to this. I then got a brand, branding lady to work with me and then it changed again. Um, so I've had three or four different labels um, that, that have gone over time and, and same with, with Jars. So I found sort of getting it right with those sort of details quite tricky. I also found getting the branding right tricky. So for me, it was more about the product and I've got the branding wrong a few times when I've just gone and done something myself. So at the moment I'm trying to um, bring to market another range of products that I do at home, which is called Every Organics. So I've developed the Every Organics brand, but I didn't actually match it properly with month, And so I've then had to spend money getting somebody in to help me, a professional to do that for me. So just those little bits and pieces uh, have been challenges around things that I hadn't thought of because I didn't have a business background. Yeah, it, it, even getting it into stores, even working out margins, even working out um, how you get freight here and there. There's, there's been quite a few different uh, challenges.
1: Well, it's also important there you understand where where your weaknesses may lie. So it sounds like you've understood that the the branding side of it and and sort of aligning that and having that sort of synergy across both the brands is a bit of a weakness that you need to bring someone else Mm. in. So it's important, I think, to to do that early, isn't it, and get someone in where you need to rather than continue to sort of go down the wrong path and and sort of not, not doing it the right way.
0: Totally. Yep, Totally
1: when you say there about too, about sharing things are you sharing things on social media uh, or yeah. or how how do you sort of share things and and, and uh, how, how much do you sort of find there is interaction of sharing those stories as well
0: i only share on social media so for me social media is a free free social you know free platform i don't have much of an advertising budget Uh, Because I am still a small business. So I do target my advertising in magazines that are the health food arena and uh, to support retailers. So yeah, it's literally just on social media. So engaging with other women in business around, wow, this is is where I was, or this is an issue that I've got. I can't believe that I've come this far now. You know, what do you do about ABC? How do you feel about this? Um, And then also social media with my customer base. You know with with all the, the people that eat every month. So again, I am more than happy to say, oh my God, I made a mistake, people. Oh goodness, and I made a mistake because I'm I'm just a mum that's just trying to do her best and, and trying to do business. I, I'm not a big business person that's got a uh, you know, that I'm trained in all this. I make spelling error mistakes, I make label mistakes, I make packaging stuff mistakes and, and I just I'm always happy to share it all. It's part of life.
1: Well, that's right. And then that's going back to the point about learning and, and, and making the moves as you need to make them along the way. How have you maintained your positivity over the moments where uh, you know maybe you've sort of feared the product might get over the line or you've had setbacks along the way? What are some of the things that you've done to sort of maintain your positivity through those
0: moments? Um, I think I'm very, I'm actually quite a resilient positive person anyway. So I only did the business in little steps. So I was very, very careful to be risk averse. So I didn't put too much money in. I just did it little by little. So if it didn't get over the line uh, and if it all crashed down, I wasn't going to lose too much. So I made sure that I did it in little bites that I could handle to start with, which then helped me help the fear associated with it not getting getting over the line. Because if it didn't get over the line, it wasn't the end of the world. I hadn't lost lost my house as a result and, and life was going to end. So bit by bit, I also, so in terms of positivity, because I've worked in child protection my whole life as well, I've had to learn how to be resilient. I've had to learn how to manage stress. I've had to learn how to problem solve, how to manage risk. So these type of things have also assist me through the process in remaining positive.
1: And what are some of the some of the ways that you do when you talk about their managing risk and things like that? Are there any specific uh, techniques that you apply, or specific things that you look back on and say that that's how I would deal with with that particular problem?
0: Again, just step by step. So I'd have people come in and say to me, let's let's go let's go big and, and do A, B, and C. And I'd be like, oh, if we go A big, if we do big, if we do big first how do we know that it's actually going to work first? So let's go, let's do the risky side of it first. Let's just do little by little and then make sure that it's all working. Okay. Make sure we've got all the kinks out, make sure that there's not an issue with the product, make sure there's not an issue with, with any sort of legalities. uh, And then we can go bigger in terms of risk management as well. I was very careful in regards to acknowledging the fact that again, my weakness is I'm not a food technician. I'm not a cook. I'm not a Uh, professional chef Uh, and I'm not a professional, I wasn't a professional business person. So for my risk management, I actually spent quite a bit of money at the start on getting the food tested. So getting every mite tested, did the same thing with baby mite. Uh, I got a professional company to come in. They tested the product. They told me any risks associated with it. They told me um, it's shelf life. They, they went through uh, how I should be, setting up all my safety and and safety practices to make sure that I don't have any issues later on down the track so because I didn't want to do any harm and I wanted to make sure that I that my product was going to be safe for people that was a, a big part of my risk management process and I needed to get that right and spend money on that first before I could do anything else so um, that's sort of why I went smaller to start with and just sort of built up from there with what I could manage.
1: Well, it sounds like, I mean, we talked about resilience and we'll come back to that in a second, but I think patience and sort of being methodical in your, in your approach has been a, a, a reason behind um, your successful uh, enterprise and certainly getting it to market. I mean, how long have you been going at this now in terms of years? And, and do you think that's a fair assessment that sort of being patient and being methodical in your approach has been a reason behind your success thus far?
0: I think so, yeah. At times I've missed certain opportunities, which I I could have had if I was willing to jump in and try, but at the same time, I could have lost, I could have lost a lot. So I think being patient, just, just saying, it doesn't matter. You know, the world's not going to end. I can just do this bit now. I can just do that right now. If I can't get to this right now, it's not the end of the world. And just doing step-by-step, definitely methodical. Definitely. I've got, you know, I'm I'm a big list, list person. I'm a big got to do one bit first before I can do another bit. And yeah, I, I, I learned, I guess, throughout the process with thinking that at first all different times I've thought, Oh God, I should be doing more. Um, I need to be able to, you know, have control over, over so many different things. And, and I really learned I couldn't uh, and then had to sort of reflect and, and then just go back to basics again. Okay. Let's go back to step one. Let's go back to step two. Where are we at now?
1: Well, yeah, and you talked about resilience too, and you said, you said you're a resilient person. I mean, would you agree with the, the, the sort of thinking that resilience is something that you build over time and not necessarily something that you just have innately? And on that point, I mean, do you think your, your history in social work and any other personal challenges you may have faced, has that mm-hmm. helped you to sort of display the resilience you've needed to build this company from scratch?
0: I think so. I think that from, I guess, from a perspective in reference to resilient being a natal innate or innate or build, totally, you know, everybody has their own genetic makeup and uh, their own different personalities from, from birth. Um, everyone's raised in different environments which then gives you the opportunity, you know, to develop certain skills or, or not to develop them. And then, you know, as we grow older, you know, we have all different life experiences. So I, I believe my personality style is I'm an extrovert, I'm very strong-willed uh, and I'm very passionate. So I, I, I've always been quite resilient in regards to I've had to go out there and do do stuff and get it done. And if it didn't work, I then had to work out how to, how to pick myself up a- afterwards. In social work, very much the same. My life experiences, I've had, you know, and this, this is some of the stuff that, I, you know, I don't mind sharing. So, and this is what I share on social media as well. You know, grow, growing up, I've had a, I, I had a brother who had quite significant mental health issues and addiction issues. So trying to support him for many, many years brought brought a lot of skill and a lot of ways to deal with stress and a lot of ways to then pick yourself up afterwards when something's gone wrong and how to problem solve stuff. And to know that, you know, the little things aren't the end of the world. So, you know, like so many times people feel that one little thing that's gone wrong and, and that the world's going to collapse. It's not. So as a business owner, uh, I've had, you know, significant issues with people trying to copy the product, trying to cause issues for my for me in the business and try to, you know, try and get rid of me. I, my brother's died uh, from a drug overdose uh, whilst I was in the early ages of business. Uh, I've had breast cancer twice while I've had business, had the business. And, you know, we, we've, we've got our son with, with a surprise diagnosis of Down syndrome and all the shock around that and then having to try and pick yourself up and try and work out how we best support and care for him. And all of that brings on resilience. So all these life experiences have given me a lot of resilience, Uh, but I still believe that I do have a strong personality type in order to, to have this resilience and to manage these situations.
1: Well, I think every step of your, your story really shows the resilience. And one of the parts of that is, we often talk about being resilient. One of the parts of that is focusing on what you can control and what, not what you can't control. And I think mm. the whole thing behind your story is, look, I can control what my son eats and I can control mm. his diet to a certain extent. And I'm going to go out and take control of that and, and develop this product. And mm. how important has that been in other instances in the challenges you've created in your journey like losing your brother um and particularly Mm. when it's a a drug overdose and and, Mm. and he's got problems with addictions that's that's a big one where you sort of think well what can i control what can't i control and then having breast cancer i mean how's that sort Mm. of thinking come into dealing with those challenges
0: i think that so when i've been going through my my different struggles with the business and with uh my personal life whilst trying to run the business. I've had times where I've just gone, Oh my God. I've had, sometimes I've had months where I've been Ill, so ill, like, you know, when I was, when I was actually going through breast cancer, for example, or, you know, when I, when we were struggling with trauma associated with my brother, where I've just gone, well, look today, I can't take these phone calls today. I can't do these emails today. I can't sort out A, B and C, and I'm probably not going to be able to do it for, you know, a month or so. So, you know, I, I've acknowledged when I can't do work because I can't manage everything, and so I put things in place. So I've said, hey, distributor, FYI, I'm actually going through some health issues right now. I'm not going to be very contactable for a month. If you need orders, tell me now. If there's any issues, you know, I'll, I'll go back to you later on. So, I mean, in terms of work and business and doing my stuff, there's been lots of times where I haven't been able to do my role properly. And so I've just then sort of said, yep, I can't control that because I've got to be focusing on, on my son right now, or I've got to be focusing on... Uh, healing through trauma I've got to be focused on getting over surgery I've had issues with the business where I felt that at times you know every shop had to have every mite on the the store all the time you know it had to be there so everyone could get it whenever they wanted it I had because I had such an influx of people when I took every mite to market had such an influx from people saying, I need it in this store. I need to be able to access it. I can't get it. They haven't got it in stock, blah, blah, blah. And I felt that I felt overwhelmed. I wanted, I felt responsible for the fact that I wanted it to be in every store for every person in order for everyone to be able to access it. And it wasn't happening. I would be contacting stores. I'd be letting them know they didn't have their stock there. I'd be feeling very anxious and very stressed over the fact that they didn't have any in stock and I actually started to burn out at different times. As a result, I had to step back and I had to go, wait a minute, the store doesn't have it in stock. The store has a process where they do the ordering once a week. If they've run out, the world's not going to end. You know, this person will just have to get it next week off them when they've reordered. So I actually had to learn that like life, there were certain elements of the business that I couldn't control in the environment. And I had to step back and just say, it's okay if they don't have everyone, everyone on the shelves right now because everyone else, they'll get it back when they get it back. Let them know it's there and they'll order it when they order it. So that was one of the, the, the major things for me that I had to learn about with control and relate to my life as a business owner.
1: Well, and I think another skill you've sort of touched on there is self-awareness and understanding. And we often talk about sort of a mental health spectrum, if you like, and where you may sit on that mental health spectrum between sort of depression and really flourishing uh, at the the positive end of it. It sounds like you have a a pretty good feel about where you are on that spectrum. And look, it's completely natural that you're going to move up and down that spectrum at various times. But I think it's most important to understand in your own mind where you are, uh, in terms of your mental health and then what you need to do uh, to, to bring yourself out of that. I mean, do you think that's a fair assessment mm. that, that you've shown that sort of self-awareness and what sort of things do you do to bring yourself out of a more sort Hardly. of depressed state of mind?
0: I, I do feel fortunate that I am actually quite self-aware because of my background in my study of social work, because of my life with managing... Our, you know, a brother with mental health issues. And so, yeah, I have my point and and I readily uh, disclose this on social media. I readily disclose this with my uh, retailers and manufacturers and distributors. If I'm at break, I have had times during the business where I've been at breaking point because I'm like, oh my God, I can't do this. This is too much. I don't know how to balance this right now. I'm not okay. I'm not coping. And so then I've had to stop. And I've had to say, sorry, I'm taking time out for a little while because I'm not okay. And I need to get myself better again and feeling positive again and getting my mind free again in order to then work out where I'm at and what I'm doing. So I've had many times where I've um, had meetings where I'm going for a walk. So I've had meetings on my phone with my earpods and I've said to the people, at the time, and this is just like, you know, massive, massive companies where I'm trying to get the product in. And I've said, I'm so sorry right now. I need some sunshine. I'm going for a walk. So we're having this meeting while I'm walking, just so you know, and they've gone, oh, that's totally fine. Um, (laughs) um, So things like that, where I've just gone "No, got to stop. And that's the type of stuff that I've done as a result. I do, I'm very big on I like to work from home. So I, I haven't put myself in an office anywhere because for me, I personally like to be able to do my computer work from home, have my office at home, then do my cooking. So, you know, I have to balance my life. My mental health is so important. And part of that is making sure that my life is organized for my child and my child's okay. Mm. So if I can do my washing and I can do my do my housework and I can, you know, get my cooking done and, and prepare the stuff for him I can then achieve my my mental health is going to be fine because then I'm not stressed with him getting sick because I haven't been able to get healthy food made for him and then and then I end up going downhill so Mm -hmm. the balance for me has been up and down at times but a massive massive thing in the forefront that I've had to make sure that I'm doing so my son's okay and so I'm okay
1: so is that what a day off looks like for you? Just getting on top of those domestic chores, making sure we, everything's all right for William uh, and, and within the household itself and sort of feeling like you're ahead of the game and now I can get back into doing what I need to do on the business side of things? Totally. Uh,
0: bizarre, bizarrely, uh, and I don't know, a lot of mums say the same thing, but a, bizarrely a day where, for example, William and, and uh, my husband have gone away for the weekend. So we... We've we've started to balance our life with a business life with the beach. So our our mental health time away from the house is going up, going out to the beach. So we, we've bought ourselves a little unit in Sunshine Coast, and we go and stay there, and we get the sunshine, we get the the water, the salt water. It's just beautiful. So that's a massive thing for us, and so we do that to get out with nature. If I'm at home. For the weekend and they've gone up by themselves for example because i need to do some other stuff at home my day at home looks like uh putting my music on cleaning out the cupboards cooking for the week and then my, my cups fill so because i know i've got all this i love cooking i've got all this beautiful food there for my son and i know that then for the rest of the week i can sit down and concentrate on the business stuff that i've got to get done
1: And is that sort of passion for cooking, has that gone into the the new part of the business? So I don't know how much you want to give away about the new part of the business, but is that sort of where where that sort of is going towards now?
0: Yeah, totally. So, So Darren, I, since William was a baby, I had to, because I was trying to make everything as clean as possible as anti-inflammatory as possible for his entire system on top of that i I needed everything to be as nutrient dense as possible so everything went into him and and even now everything that goes in him or on him needs to benefit him so from a very early stage of his of his life i started making his own body cream so i because naturopaths would say to me you know anything that goes onto your skin uh, gets absorbed so we were using, through through a doctor, we were using vitamins, transdermal vitamins to get into his system and transdermal glutathione to get into his system to help his system be okay. So, you know, I thought, well, wait a minute, I don't want to put lots of chemicals on my son because he's not going to be able to detoxify them. So I started making my own body products for him that had organic, natural, chemical-free, good fats. So all the good oils, which then would value add to his system. So- I started making those. We've been using those ever since I have sold a few to friends and given a few to friends over time and everyone loves it. And so I've just gone, yep, yeah, we need this out in the market too. Other people need this, not just just myself and, and my friends and, and family. Uh, so part of the range is uh, body products. So I've only started with body with um, body balms to start with, but I also do lip balms at home. We make all our own laundry powder. We make, all our own deodorant. We do everything, you know, as clean as chemical free as possible and as as value adding. So, same with the food side of the new brand. So the every organics food side uh, will be. I've only so far started with um, a smoked range, which is cold raw smoked products. Which is it's a, it's a salt. There's a honey. Uh, there's an oil, and the purpose of those is to create beautiful lovely, clean tastes to the cooking that you're making at home. So valuating, because you get all the nutrients out them, out of them and you get all the taste. So it's going to help you create tasty, healthy products at home. There'll be a lot more that are coming out as well. And they're based on things that I use at home every day and that I add to food to make it better for William and for us.
1: Well, and it sounds like your philosophies, and, and, and you've sort of touched on this as well. And we often say resilient people ask themselves, is what i'm doing helping or hurting this situation and it sounds mm. like you've taken that from the social work and then you you apply it to william and then you've applied it to the business to look at something and say is what i'm about to do going to hurt this situation or help this situation uh and i mean is that yeah. a fair reflection of being your business philosophy and why you have been as methodical as you have been in, in getting these products out there
0: i i would utterly be beside myself darren if if there was an issue with, with somebody that used my products. I have been very, very careful around making sure that I've done my labelling right, where people are able to make informed decisions. So they've got the all the information. So I'm very big on people having all the information so they can make informed decisions and, and safe decisions related to their situation. So I've been very clear with people around every mite, has sesame seeds in it for some people sesame seeds uh can be now it's an allergen for some people so i have been like meticulous in regards to making sure that everybody knows that this product has sesame seeds in it there are some people in terms of allergies and intolerances that can't have uh garlic and onion because they're fodmap issues and they have ibs as a result so another thing in relation in relation to labeling and uh, making safe decisions for people, I legally didn't need to say that my product contains chili, garlic, and onion because of the amount of chili, garlic, and onion in it is only tiny. But for me, even though I didn't need to legally say that, I it was very important for me to make sure it was on my label, that it's on my website, that if anybody asks me, they know that it's there because it might possibly do harm to them. So I'm very, very strong in making sure that everything's transparent. Uh, you have all the information you need and I'm not hiding anything. So you can make a decision about whether it's going to help you or harm you uh, and mm. a, not because I don't want to be in any way, shape or form responsible for, for harming anybody because they didn't um, get the correct information off my label or the correct information off my, web, off my website because they, they couldn't access it. So I'd just be beside myself.
1: Have you looked into mm. the intolerances from a behavioral point of view, as well as a sort of a, from, from a physical health point of view and how it, it, uh, certain foods can detect, uh, affect and negatively impact uh, kid's behavior? And-
0: so I've looked at it from so many different spectrums. So, you know, years ago people would talk about helping people with autism be more able to manage behaviors and feelings and, and thoughts through diet. So, I mean, that was something that came up years and years ago in terms of uh, I know aut- or people with autism. I, I know that, uh, you know, they've done all that work in regards to food additives and food colorings and uh, different preservatives and what that can do to a child's behavior uh, and how it can impact on a child's behavior. I guess from all the work that we've been doing with William, so we've worked with. Integrative doctors, we've worked with naturopaths, dietitians, nutritionists. Uh, we've worked with ch- functional, uh, you know, medicine doctors, Chinese herbalists. He said acupuncture. He's done Cairo. We've looked at, you know, heavy metals in reference to his system. We've looked at uh, all the different additives. So everything that we've looked at indicates that if your child is eating foods that don't agree with them such as you know, lots of white bread that has preservatives and gluten and uh, lots of you know, packets of chips that have got different colorings in them. If your child's eating these, these things, their body's not actually getting nourished and it's not getting the nutrients in it it needs to actually help it operate properly. And your whole system needs to operate. Your whole system needs to have the nutrients in it. It needs to have you know, the microbi- microbiome working well, it needs to be able to not be inflamed in order so it's not going to be attacking itself and it's not going to be sick. If your body's not working properly because you're adding in all this stuff to your child's diet and not adding in the right stuff, the child's brain then isn't going to work properly. So you've got the blood brain barrier there in reference to chemicals and, and, and you know, metals and, and all that sort of stuff. But you've also got those, you know, that brain fog that I don't feel well. I don't, my brain's not functioning properly because I can't think properly because I'm all over the place because I can't focus because my body's not working properly because I've got all this junk in my system and it's inflamed. Um, So for us, it wasn't just around William's digestive system. uh, And that's it. So we would notice if William's digestive system wasn't working properly because, Something we'd we done something wrong, so we we frequently, you know, would accidentally not look at the back of a packet, and he'd have food that was the wrong food for him. And we'd be like, "What's wrong with his child?" He, he suddenly his, you know, a, a couple of times suddenly his brain regressed where he actually couldn't uh, even talk at one stage. He, he his toileting regressed where he, you know, being a person with a, ch- a child with an intellectual impairment, he suddenly couldn't control his bowels. So he'd be out in public and he would. Uh, urinate and defecate you know everywhere and it was just we're like what's going wrong what is this and when we would see specialists we'd get you know at different times we got testing done around what he'd eaten so I discovered at one stage I'd given him too much fish so the fish he was eating had quite a lot of mercury in it and he had mercury poisoning and so once we detox the mercury out of his system his brain actually started to function again So, you know, the the food that was going into him was laced with mercury because it was uh, the wrong sort of fish. And that then impacted on his uh, body and his brain. So that was only one of the things that we noticed. You know, we we had a similar issue with anaesthetic. So he had anaesthetic for uh, twice. Again, his whole body couldn't detoxify it. So his brain went out of whack and he couldn't, couldn't function. If we gave him... I think at times I'd give him, you know, the wrong potato chips. Like I'd looked at potato chips that, that had uh, gluten in them and, and had uh, flavorings in them. And that would then trigger, you know, some bowel issues for him it or would, it would trigger, you know, some, some his tummy being bloated, you know, and when his tummy was bloated, it meant that, he's can, it meant that he's, he started to get can, candida in his bowel. So his yeast was out of whack. And it was literally sometimes just giving him too much sugar and, and it would even just be natural sugar. So he, he couldn't he couldn't even eat a piece of a mandarin because it was too much sugar for him. Well, um, what
1: what tips would you have to provide parents on their own if they understand food allergies and how to cater for them? But what what are some steps you think parents should be doing to check whether there is some intolerance with their children? Um, you know, which may not be as obvious as sort of rashes and things like that um, as they go mm. on.
0: I am a very big advocate uh, for parents supporting each other in reference to information. Mm. So engaging, so parents engaging with others, you know, in the social media forums around their experiences and listening to what's happened to different people and how they've dealt with it. So I always encourage others to have a network around them that are going through a similar issue so they can then debrief and problem solve and talk about it. I, I'm a massive, massive advocate for uh, alternative medication, uh, alternative medicine, sorry. Mm. So, you know, naturopaths, dietitians, getting that testing done. So establishing, if you, if your child's not functioning prop optimally, there's a reason your child's not functioning optimally. So, you know, what's, what is that? What's going on with your child? So, you know, I, I always say to parents, if you can afford it, go and get some, you know, food intolerance testing, go and get some. Some food allergy testing, check the microbiome. So, you know, we've done so many different stool tests that have just been so fascinating in regards to looking at what microbiome is missing and what the the problems have been there. And then, then being able to fix them directly related to that information, you know, same as the heavy metal testing, our environment, no matter how clean you live, your environment has toxins in it. So every one of those toxins is going to be impacting on that child. So if you can get those testings done and actually see what's going on for your child, then you can target the correct uh, way to fix it. And then they're going to function better. You know, I, I also say to parents, so I'm a big advocate for that, but I'm also a massive advocate for checking labels. I, I say all the time to people, cause I've made that mistake so many times check your labels uh, if you don't know what it means, look it up, Google it, ask someone. Don't just assume that because something says organic or don't just assume because something says healthy that it actually is. Always make informed decisions for your child based on uh, looking at it and educating yourself. For parents as well with food allergies, I guess the, the, you know, another thing I always say is about preparing. Many, many times we got ourselves into trouble because we weren't thinking ahead. So we became our son would either become very sick uh, because we didn't prepare in terms of his food or we'd become very isolated because we wouldn't go out as a result. So in terms of preparing, uh, I mean, are you going out for dinner? Are you going on holidays? Are you going to a birthday party? So, you know, what are these activities that you're gonna be doing as a family or, or just for your child? What are your child's needs in those situations? to continue to make your child well and safe to eat the right foods and what do you need to bring with you or what do you need to prepare as a result. So the preparation uh, for children that have food intolerances is huge and parents have to do that that preparation. Otherwise, the kids get sick, they they get worn out, and it just becomes a never-ending cycle. So the preparation mm. is huge as well.
1: Well, again, it comes back to that asking, is what I'm doing helping or hurting? And just to touch on the networking point, I think that also reiterates the importance of displaying, some, being comfortable displaying some vulnerability. I think a lot of people really find it difficult to just reach out to others and say look we're having some behavioral problems or whatever it may Mm. be with our child and you know but but if you do share some of yourself like that you'll probably you'll almost certainly find someone else that's had something similar happen and then they say well look this is what we did this is who we saw and then you sort of find that you might have a pathway out of it rather than keep it within yourself and, and try and um you know come up with your own solutions
0: darren i am a resilient person I say to everybody, I swear, like I would have, I would have been at breaking point numerous times in regards to our journey and why on earth I couldn't get my son well and what on earth I was doing wrong and and trying to nut through it all and trying to and be down on myself in regards to why I couldn't do this, why I couldn't help my son and why I couldn't get my son better. The only way I survived through that was through reaching out to others and actually asking other parents how on earth they addressed issues, how on earth they found out what was wrong with their son. You know, if this was actually working for them now, you know, um, I, I am such an advocate for people sharing their experiences, because I know that we would never have come so far where we are now with our son If we, if we hadn't done that, Um, I'm certain that our son would be dead by now, uh, because he honestly was so ill at different times and the, uh, traditional, uh, medical system could not work out what was wrong with him. And I could not work out what on earth I was doing wrong. And, you know, a lot of it was around, well, check, check his hair for for metals, check his gut for his microbiome, um, take this food out. Um, but I wouldn't have known it without others. And when I go to stores and I do all my tastings for, for in stores, so I think it's really, really important to meet the people that are buying every Might. So I will go to a store on a Saturday, for example, and I'll set up my little table and I'll do all my tastings. I'll have all the every Might there to share with people. And as part of that, obviously, I share my story. And there's never a time where there's not a person in the store. That day that hasn't had a similar experience and hasn't had it, hasn't had problems with their health journey and hasn't had to, you know, work out on the on their own and, and engaging with others, how on earth they manage it. That network of support is absolutely vital.
1: Well, and it's quite topical at the moment because tomorrow is Are You OK Day. What advice would you have ah. for people? Like if people are thinking about you know, maybe this person's struggling at the moment. I'll give you an example from my own personal life. I know a, a friend of mine has a, a severely autistic uh, child, which uh, his wife has been homeschooling for the last uh, probably two months now, maybe even longer. And I just reached yeah. out to them last week and just sort of saw how they were going because I know how difficult it would have been. And you could just feel the yeah. relief. In in their response that someone's reached out and they are able to sort of talk about it. But what advice would you have for yeah. people who maybe are a little bit hesitant? I mean, you've been through some tough times as well in terms of, mm. of reaching out to someone and, and the way to to do the best ways to do that.
0: For me, I always believe that we need a community around us. So I I always find in in my child protection work, as well as my personal life, as well as in my you know my business life when you're isolated and you're not engaging with others you're not then able to actually see light at the end of the tunnel see that it's not because you're doing something wrong that network around people and that so if people can reach out and develop networks it, it then supports them to support them, themselves and their child for a person that you know is homeschooling a, a child with a disability that's a significantly difficult situation, and you know, unless for people that are you know that are going through this, it's really hard for people to understand that uh, and really understand how difficult it is for people. But you know, if for example, if they or you know, if other people out there that are struggling uh, are connected with other parents that are going through the same issues, uh, are looking at strategies that they use or support networks that they use. And then building that team around them, that's what makes a difference. So in the Down syndrome community, very similar, you know, we, we all get together. We all talk on social media. We talk face-to-face. We, uh, if we're struggling with an issue, we will say, well, this is what I'm struggling with. How have you done it? Who have you got to support you? And then, so we look at, so I've done it for myself with William, you know, I've looked at, well, I I can't do everything. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a superwoman. Uh, Who can I have around me in my community that I can network with to help me? So, you know, we actually have a carer that comes a couple of days a week that has certain skills and works with him. We have therapists that come in and work with him on certain things um, because I can't do those as well. So that community network is just
1: huge. And what about if someone doesn't have a point of reference? Like, I I mean, I don't have, yeah, personally, I don't have an autistic child. Yeah. You know, I don't have a child with an intellectual disability or anything like that. What, I mean, is it just the importance of just touching base with that person and just sort of making a connection? And it, it might not even be talking yeah. about what, what's going on uh, yeah. in, in your life. It might be just a, a matter of making that connection. I mean, is that, is that sort of as simple as it yeah. needs to be in some cases?
0: Yeah, totally, totally. Reaching out. So many people in society, I find in my, in my social work side of it, So many people in society don't want to get involved and they don't want to, uh, be part of, be part of if there's a problem anywhere, you know? And so they sort of stay away and, and don't reach out to others. And, and a lot of the time you're right. It's just about reaching out and saying, Hey, are you okay? How are you? Are you all right? Is there anything I can do? You know, and, and that, that might just be a debrief for the, for the person, or it might, you know, through that conversation, you don't understand what it's like to have a child with autism or a child with down syndrome or or you know a child with a food intolerances but you know you might identify through that conversation that they need a little bit of respite and so you might say hey how about your kid come play, play with my kid for half an hour or you, you identify through that conversation that this person is just worn out and um they need dinner tonight you know because to, to, they need a relax so you say here you go i've just made you a lasagna or i've just bought you a ten-dollar lasagna so definitely can reaching out to people who feel that they can't do it themselves and just checking in with people is definitely vital. Uh, and, and I, and it's not about being nosy. It's not about being in people's space. It's not about, um, needing to, for people to share information. It can just be about, Hey, have you connected with anybody that's going through similar stuff? If you haven't, Hey, are you okay? Can I talk to you about anything? You know? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, a couple yeah. of final questions, Cinnamon, before I let you go. I, I did share this story with you and I wanted to share it again on the podcast. There's a, where I go uh, for my chiropractor, there's a cafe right next door. And it's one of those sort of um, black hole cafes, if you like. There's just been different owners come in and out over the years and it never quite seems to be able to, to make any money in that particular location. And then one, the, the most recent owners, which probably going back now four or five years, to be honest, uh, they mm. opened up a cafe and said it was for non-allergy non, non-allergy foods mm. catering for people with with uh, food intolerances. Allergies. Yeah,
0: yeah, al-
1: yeah. So and then I sort of went I, and I sort of looked at it and thought uh, that that business is not going to last long. Uh, that, mm. that's a bit of a niche market, you know, and mm. then not only have they survived since that time, they've really thrived. And, and I noticed mm. a number of families going in there. I mean, so that, mm. that certainly surprised me to know that there was that marketplace, uh, for people even in our sort of small area here on the South coast of New South Wales. Have you been surprised mm. yourself at the level of, of interest and need for, mm. for these sort of products dealing with food allergies and intolerances?
0: I had no idea uh, prior to to having our our son how many people had food intolerances and food allergies. It's yeah, I was really surprised. Um, It's been, it's the whole journey has been an eye opener for me. But I think that people are becoming more informed now as well. So. If you don't actually have a food allergy or, or intolerance, you you when you think about food, like non-allergenic food and um, allergy-friendly food, you think of clean food. So every mite uh, is, a, is an allergy-friendly food, but in that it's also a clean food. And people are starting to understand that their tummy feels sick if they eat certain foods. You know, if they're not anaphylactic, to nuts, but they feel sick if they eat gluten. Um, so people are starting to make that, that link about feeling better in themselves if they are avoiding certain foods. And so you've got that in one side, but then you've also got the, well, if it doesn't, if it's, an, if it's a, you know, food intolerance or food allergy friendly food, it's probably not going to have all the chemicals and preservatives and yucky stuff in it that we don't want as well. So people are sort of starting to lean towards clean food and uh you know allergy friendly food as a result yeah not just simply because because they can't have nuts it's actually a lot bigger than that now mm. people are realizing they need the healthy nourishing clean food
1: well i think a lot of people have intolerances that they're not even aware of and they're eating the wrong foods and, and maybe not even aware okay. of it i'd certainly encourage anyone to go and visit a naturopath get a blood test get and have a a conversation with them and see what other tests that they might like to see and just sort of because the blood test when i got a blood test and my naturopath checked it she checked for much different things than what the doctor checked for and and Correct. the levels that she wanted to look for in terms of uh, you know magnesium yeah. um, zinc Correct. you know all the vitamin D the levels that Correct. she wanted to see were far yeah. higher than what was was sort of the doctor was worried about seeing uh, and, and would have sort of um, looked at him so certainly that that would be a bit of advice I have and, and I think you've touched on it as well check the labels and really understand what you're putting in your body bodies and try and eat clean and fresh food uh wherever mm. you can the final question i have had is uh, how much satisfaction yeah. have you gained uh, from this business not only from seeing we and be able to enjoy his vegemite uh like products again but also mm. helping so many others uh that the find themselves in a similar situation
0: that's what's kept me going Darren. so you know Like I said before, like I'm a very resilient person, a very positive person, but I've had some really challenging times, some really stressful times. And I've been lost at different times about, you know, oh God, should I keep going with this? This is a lot of work. Uh, You know, I I didn't realize it was going to be so big. I just wanted something that was just going to help some people. But then suddenly that day I'll I'll get somebody message me and say, thank you so much. You've changed our life. Uh, You know, we can now, you know, eat a Vegemite-like product. You know, our son can go to school with this. You've, you've told me information that I didn't know beforehand. So in a day, I, you know, I, I can sometimes get a few people in a day telling me how much every might means to them and how it's changed their life. And that is what drives me to continue to get it out there and have it on the shelves and and make sure people can access it because i get such beautiful positive feedback about it actually making a difference in people's lives
1: well and where can people find more information about every mite baby might and, and the new products uh as, as they come available what's the best way to follow you and, and also where can they find the products
0: so on social media uh and on uh, my website is EveryMite. So EveryMite and BabyMite are now together as, as one. And so it's literally just as easy as at EveryMite. And then the same with my website. It's www.EveryMite.com.au. With my Every Organics range, uh, that's, again, just as simple. It's just at Every Organics. And the same with a website. So instead of every might, it's every organics I'm trying to merge them both into one website at some stage and one social media platform, but I haven't got that far yet, uh, but there's all the information that anybody needs. If you just uh, Google every organics or every might every organics is now with a distributor and it's going to be going into stores soon. Uh, but for now that's only quite small still, and that's still developing. With my EveryMite, that's in almost every health food store in Australia. Uh, We're starting to branch out to New Zealand a little bit. But on my website, I actually have a a, uh, a stockist list there where people can write their suburb. And it actually then shows you where you can buy EveryMite and BabyMite in your suburb.
1: Okay. Well, we'll link that to that in the podcast description as well. So thanks for your time today. Though, Cinnamon. We'll, we'll certainly be following your, your journey uh, into the future and know um, that there'll be plenty more new products appearing as time goes on.
0: Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys talking to me. I really appreciate your time and I, I love what you're doing. So thank you very much.
1: So as I said at the introduction of this podcast, we did cover a lot of areas within that conversation and certainly there was a lot of talk about healthy eating and things like checking labels and really starting to think about what you put in your body from a physical health point of view. But I think it was equally important some of the mental health areas that we covered with Cinnamon, not only around the resiliency that she has shown right across her journey to date, but also the importance of having appropriate support networks in place both personally and professionally, to get you through difficult times that you're going through. And that's obviously been a big part of the AUAK Day message for a number of years now. And it was very topical again, to have this conversation right on the eve of AUAK Day for 2021. So I hope you did enjoy that conversation today. And I look forward to bringing more engaging conversations of this type to you in the near future.